Guys, it seems like it's been a month since, well, it has been a month, never mind that. Uh, yeah, man, I, I have been gone a while. We have been out and about doing a variety of things. The first Sunday I was gone, I was actually on, a, I'm in a position with the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, and was involved in that. And then we had a couple of weeks vacation. This past weekend, this past Sunday, we were uh, up at West Point. We got to see Colin. There was a ceremony there as he finished cadet basic training, and they had acceptance day. He's, he's accepted into the Corps. He's the lowest form of life in the Corps, but he is he is accepted into it. And, you know, as I was leaving this weekend, I, I you know, just started thinking back. I, I think that was our seventh trip to West Point in the, in the last two years. Uh, the first one being two years ago in September. Uh, and we went there actually with the younger son, Randy. And uh, he was there on a, on a recruiting trip with, with the track team. And uh, honestly, as we went on that trip, I, I didn't think... Randy was going to go to West Point. I, I, I just didn't think he would do that. And, and Colin was already at Virginia Tech, so I was really sure he would never be going uh, to West Point. So, you know, we went on this trip never imagining uh, what this was going to become. But I, I remember that first time, and it's been pretty true every time since. Every time on that campus, I, I'm just utterly overwhelmed. It, it's one of the most impressive places I've ever been. I really encourage you, if, if life ever takes you up in the New York City area or north of that, man, go, go a tour and, and go on to that place. I mean, first of all, some of it I'm sure is just the, the scenery. I mean, it's, it's on a cliff uh, overlooking the Hudson River. I mean, it's just an absolutely beautiful setting. And, and then you add to that the architecture of these, these impressive buildings that go back, some of them, to the 1800s. And then you add to that the history history uh, of this place, the history that's happened there, the, the people who've been through there, who've made history. I mean, it's just pretty incredible. But, but really, the thing that always grabs me the most is, is just being up there. There is such a culture, such an environment of, of people who are on a mission. I mean, it was just impressive to be around them. Now, listen, they're a group of people. We all know what people are like. I'm sure there's a clown running around there somewhere. But, but I, it doesn't feel like that, though. It doesn't feel like anything random is happening. It feels like a very purposeful, very strong sense of mission that guides you through good days and bad days, through crises. And I, I think that's actually part of what they're training there is how you stay on mission no matter what's going on around you. And, you know, as I pulled away from there, uh, again, I, I think that maybe the seventh time, uh, as I pulled away from there Sunday afternoon, you, you know, I couldn't help but think, don't, don't you think that's what God anticipates people feel and experience when they come into the church? When you think that that's kind of what God had in mind as he would have people of the world kind of mingle amongst believers, that when they were around us, they would see in us, they would feel in us this great sense of mission. Are you? Are we? Am I on that sense of mission, living life on purpose? And it's not just any mission, oh, oh find something to live for and live for it. No, are you on the mission that your commander-in-chief sent you on? Are you doing the thing that your king has put you here to do? You know, as I look around at what's going on in our world, folks, I can't help but believe 
that, that, that America desperately needs, you and I, needs the church to be on mission. I don't think they know that. I don't think they would say that. I don't think they would ask for it. But it is their only hope. Our culture, our community. You know, you say the world and culture. Hey, can we just say today Virginia? Virginia. Virginia needs you and I to be on mission. You know, could, could we imagine, you know, if, if America could, could peel back the roof of the church and, and look inside and, and how we relate with each other. How we relate, how we think about those who are not a part of our each other. And, and after observing that, after watching that, I mean, clearly at that point, they'd give us a call, wouldn't they? Hey, could you guys come help us out? We're fighting like cats and dogs in our sandbox. And clearly, you've got it all figured out. I mean, isn't that kind of what should happen? Couldn't there be, shouldn't there be a, a, a Charlottesville that would look inside our church, not just any church, look inside our church, the heights, and say, hey, could you guys come help us? Isn't that the kind of mission that we've been called to? Let's remind ourselves of that. They say, well, well, what is the mission? What have we been called to do? You know, Jesus has sent you and I on mission. It's, it's not a, a random collection of ideas. Well, I think we're supposed to. He said this over here and, and this over here. No, no, Jesus gave us a very specific mission. It's the thing that you and I are to be doing on this planet. As a matter of fact, we, we call this passage quite often the, the Great Commission. We, we have the Great Commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then to that we have the great commission. The great thing that you and I have been sent into the world to do while we're loving God with all of our whole heart, soul, and mind. While we're loving our neighbor as ourself. Here, here's what we are to be doing. Jesus said it this way. These were his last words literally as he was ascending into heaven. He said to you. To you, a, a follower of Jesus Christ. He, he said to me in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, therefore in light of the fact that I have all the authority in the universe. What, what's he doing with that authority? He's issuing this command. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let me kind of just get right, where we're, right to where we're going today, folks. When, when you and I will love those outside the body of Christ, we will love those outside the church enough to share the gospel with them. And when we will love those inside the church with a loving service, a loving service that has the intention of helping each other take a step forward, keep moving forward in Jesus Christ. When we love like that, when we live like that, when that's the mission we're on, folks, the world's going to call. The world's going to call. Not every piece of the world, not every single time, but when they get overwhelmed with abuse, with disappointment, with prejudice, with racism, with greed, with perversion. When they get overwhelmed with that, they'll call when that's what we're doing. 
And folks, I think maybe that, that more and more the world doesn't know to call us. I, I think more and more the church doesn't even know that we're supposed to be living in a way that they would call us. Says that maybe we've gotten a little bit off track, right? Maybe, maybe we're not quite on point. We're not on that mission that we're to be on. Listen, as a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to use that phrase a lot today. I use that phrase a lot, I think, when I'm, when I'm up here. You know what you said? When I say a follower of Jesus Christ, I am distinguishing that somewhat from just being a church member. Because there are church members who are not followers of Christ, right? That'd be true in our church. It'd be, to my knowledge, it'd probably be true in every church in the world. There are those who are a church member. There are those who, who have experience with church. They're not necessarily a Christ follower. But if you are a Christ follower, then do you realize you have a command on your life. You have a mission on your life placed there by Jesus Christ to love those outside the church with the gospel, to love those inside the church with loving service. Folks, that's, that's the thing we're to be doing. That's it. Well, so wait a minute. No, there's all kinds of things we do. And the, and the Scripture gives all kinds of commands. I mean, we, maybe we're do, living life as a family or married. Or maybe we're living life as single. Or, or then, there, well, how we live life poor. Or how we live life rich. Or how we live life healthy. Or how we live life unhealthy. Or how we live as a believer in a good job. Or how we live as a believer in bad. No. No, those are not all of the things that we do. This is all we do. All those other things are just the circumstances and the environment where we're going to do this. You're, you're going to do this at a good job or a bad job. You're going to do this married or single. You're going to do this healthy or unhealthy. Those are all just the circumstances for the one thing you and I have been left on this earth to do. Now let's think about this one thing. Let's unwrap our mission a little bit, if you will. And I want to kind of walk through that passage just looking at some key words for a moment, if we could. The first word that comes to my mind, and, and folks, I've, I've looked at this passage a lot of times. I, I've preached this passage a lot of times. But I think maybe the, kind of for the first time, a word that really grabbed my thought and mind for a while was that word authority. That word authority. Jesus says, with all the authority in the universe... I say to you, with all the authority. Now, I've, I've got to stop and ask myself, n- number one, do I even believe in Jesus? And if I say I believe in Jesus, do I then believe he has all this authority, all the authority of the universe? Now, I'm going to assume today that those of you that are in here, maybe a lot of you watching online, I'm going to assume for sake of argument that at the very minimum, a lot of us are going to pay lip service to that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, oh yes, yeah, believe all the authority. I mean, he's God, right? King, got all, the, got all the authority. Well, if I believe that, then, then where and how and in all the places in my life am I responding to that authority? Because that's what happens with authority, right? You respond to it. I, I, mean, I mean, a teacher has the authority to get in front of the class and say, hand your assignments in. And then you and I are going to be measured by what we do next, right? There's going to be a reward or a consequence by whether I hand the assignment in. As a matter of fact, it it even goes beyond that. It's not just if I hand the assignment in, there's going to be a measurement of the quality of what I turn in, right? And there'll be a reward or a consequence for that. You know, the boss... The boss can come into our, our office. The boss can come out to our, our work site. And he can say, hey, I want you to stop working on this pro- 
project and I want you to go over here and work on this project. Uh, the, the boss can say, hey, listen, there's this big meeting next Tuesday and I now want you to make a report at that. So stop everything you're doing and get ready for that. And do you know, I've, I have found, I don't think it matters to him whether I'm having a good day or a bad day. I don't think it matters to him or her if that's something I feel comfortable doing or what's going on. I mean, they have the authority just to issue, and I guess what? I end up getting measured by it, right? With a reward or a consequence. And with the quality, there's a reward or a consequence. Hey, mom and dad, they, they have authority, right? Or they used to a long time ago. Remember, mom, mom and dad have the authority. Hey, go upstairs and clean your room. Hey, you got to be home at 11. And, and then based on the child's response to that, there's going to be a measurement. There's a reward. There's a consequence. I mean, we get that, right? We're saying all through life, in every part of life, we're constantly, even if we don't like authority, we're still constantly in a response with it and life being measured by it. So then surely if we experience that every day, all day, we get, hey, there's, here's, the, here's the authority of all authorities. He's issued this command. I get, right, that my life is to be shaped by that. My life is going to be measured by that. Even the quality with which I take on the response to that authority, it's all going to be measured, right? Is it? Is that authority shaping and directing and moving my life. I mean, I mean, folks, think about the authority we're talking about here. This, this is the authority that the wind and the waves obey. This is the authority, watch this, that death responds to. Who or what do you know that death responds to? Who or what do you know that death steps aside? Who or what do you know that at their voice, at their movement, death releases its grip? Only Jesus Christ. He is the authority that says, hey, Lazarus, come on out here. And death moves. Hey, this is the authority that the demons obey. Now, that ought to make us scratch our head a little bit, right? The demons obey. Because isn't a demon, isn't that like a bad angel? That's kind of devoted its entire existence to rebelling against and fighting the will of God? Yep. But the moment Jesus looks at one of them and says, move, they move. Every single time. This is the authority that all authorities. Hey, do you have an opinion about any authorities in life? Yeah, we all do, right? We've always got a constant dialogue, a constant commentary going on on the authorities in our life. Hey, listen, good parents, bad parents, good president, bad president, good governor, bad governor, good boss, bad boss. All authorities are going to bow place their face on the ground before this authority. That's the authority we're talking about. I mean, this is the authority that has spoken into your life and into my life. I don't know about you. I feel like the more I understand that authority, I feel like the more nervous that should make me. Oh, I got good news. This authority, there's no place where you'll find greater grace. There's no place where you'll find more love. There's no place where you'll find forgiveness like this forgiveness. But folks, because God reveals himself, offers himself as your friend, does not mean his authority is no longer in place. 
I think it's very right and appropriate for you and I to relate with God as a friend and be just a bit nervous when he says, I say to you. And then whatever issues forth begin to shape and direct every aspect of our lives. All the authority in the universe says, I say to you. Shouldn't at that point we be pretty dialed in? Authority. Another word here is the, is the word nations. Now remember, I just referred to this a moment ago as the, as the Great Commission. You and I have been sent, and we've been sent. That means there's a, there's a target out there. We've been sent to the nations. Do you realize that in our Great Commission, that in that word, there is for you and I, the follower of Christ, there is for you and I, the believer, a, a, a response to Charlottesville. That there's a way to think through and understand, hey, how do I feel about people? How do I feel about racism? How do I feel about people not like me? Because, I mean, let's be honest, folks. I mean, generally, people operate in this way. I like people who are like me. They look like me. They smell like me. They eat like me. They, they want to do what I want to do. And we kind of keep a pretty small circle, don't we? Is that okay for the believer? Can I, can I have a mindset that I'm going to keep this pretty tight circle? Well, well, no. I mean, in our Great Commission, we're kind of sent with an idea of the nations. Now, let's think about that word nations. You know, when I hear the word nation, I'm sure just like you, I think of some, right? You say nations. I, okay, let's say there's Spain and Canada and Brazil and, and China. I, I hear the word nations. I think of geopolitical borders, but that's not actually the word used here. The, the, the phrase, the word here, panta ta ethne, all the nations. Panta ta ethne. Ethne comes from the word ethnos. Can you guess what word we get from ethnos? Ethnicity, right? So literally what Jesus is saying there is I want you to go to panta ta all the people groups. Now that's a little bit different Focus. You see, if I go to Spain, I'm certainly going to find Spanish people there. But guess what? Spanish people aren't the only people in Spain. There's a lot of different people groups. If I go to China, I've been to China. Do you know I've been to China? And I can say this. There are a lot of Chinese people there. I'm telling you what, folks. They, they're, they're covering the place over there. Everywhere you look, Chinese people. But they're not the only people in China. There's all kinds of ethnicities. There are all kinds of people groups in China. It's true really of, of really about any nation. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I want you to go to all kinds of people, all kinds of skin colors, all kinds of languages, all kinds of religions, all kinds of cultures. Hey, listen, do you realize that in the Great Commission, in this command, in this mission, the follower of Jesus Christ instantly has a brand new devotion? What word would you use? Devotion, focus, interest, love for every kind of person out there. Every single kind of person out there. It's not an issue of what I'm comfortable with. It's not an issue of what I think about. No, I've, I've been sent to go. And look at the intention that I baptize. What's baptism? Baptism's kind of, I mean, you think about it, you got go and you got baptized. That's kind of like the first step and the last step, isn't it? 
And there's steps in between. You, you go, you begin to move toward all these different kinds of people and we build relationships and hopefully in that relationships is, is an opportunity to share the gospel and, and, and tell them how they can be a friend of God. And, and then some of them are going to receive that, right? I mean, we're a room filled with people who at some point received that good news, right? A yes here would just be entirely encouraging. Yeah, okay, not so much. Okay, anyway, so, and, and, then, and then when they say yes, what do we do? We, we take them up there and get baptized. That's kind of the end. So you got the go, you got the kind of the, the first and the last step go with the intent that they get baptized. Well, you think about baptism that way, that's kind of like the front door into our church, isn't it? Baptism is kind of the entrance into our family. So you have Jesus basically sending you and I to all the kinds of people there are with a very specific intention that they come into the house. That with the intention that they become a part of our, of our family. We have been, uh, have been given a mindset, an attitude, a love for all the kinds of people there are. Another word there, it doesn't seem super important. I mean, it's kind of a directive. It's a command, go, right? Go. You know, I was looking at this word and, and I realized that word, the more I understand what's there, the more I realize how disobedient I am. Me, I'm not talking about you. The more I realize how disobedient I've been to the mission God has placed on my life. Because I haven't quite grasped that word, Go. You know, too often I think we think of the going as an event. So if, if, if you're over here and I say, hey, listen, go from there to there and, and, and you do it. You, you get up and you move from there to there. Then when you get there, you can say, you said go, I went, leave me alone. I, I, I've done what I'm supposed to, to do. And, and can't we, maybe I'm just telling on myself, can't we sometimes think of, of witnessing that way? Now, I mean, if we go by statistics... Most followers of Christ are never going to once, not one time in their entire journey with Christ, are they going to try to share the friendship of God with somebody else. I, 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 that, that's troubling to try to connect those two ideas. But, but even for those of us, very small group, that would step out there and, and what, whatever word you want to use, share the gospel, witness, tell them about the good news. W when we do that, there's this mindset, okay, I did it. Okay, whew, and it kind of hurt. I'm going to be honest with you. It's very scary, but I'm done. I'm done. You know, I do that once. I do that twice. Or maybe, wow, maybe I get on a plane and I go to China or I go to Spain and I go to the nations and do, well, now there's bonus points for that, isn't there? I mean, like, doesn't that like let you off for the, I don't have to do anything the rest of my life. I got on a plane. I mean, there is this mindset that witnessing is this event and I go and do it, and then at some point, I'm done. And that couldn't be further from what Christ is saying right here. You know, it's not so much the word as the verb tense. I, I don't know that I've ever been so convicted and felt like I have fallen so far short because of a verb tense. You see, the verb tense of that word right there is going. It has the idea of an ongoing, continual activity. It's not, hey, listen, at some point in your life, you need to show up on church at Wednesday night and go out and share the gospel with somebody. Hey, at some point in your life, you need, to, you need to go on a trip. No, what Jesus is actually saying there is, as you're going to work, 
as you're going to school, as you're going to run errands, hey, ready for this one? As you're going on vacation, on vacation, I don't even have to go to church. What are you talking about? As you're living life, your, your heart, your mind, your ears are always looking at all the kinds of people with the opportunity for sharing the gospel. It, it's not an event that I start and I'm finished. It's the entire way that you and I are to live life. I don't know that I've been obedient to that. And as I studied that, as I thought about that, you know, I, I mean, it led me. I mean, the only word I knew to come up with, I, I need to repent. I need to confess this as a sin in my life. Does that sound funny? You know, I, I, I bet you've read some verses and thought, boy, I sure have failed at that. Boy, I really have sinned there. You know, when it says, like, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not get drunk, thou shalt not look upon a person with lust. You see, I can read those verses and I say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry I, I, did, I did those things. I know that that's wrong. Will you forgive me? Help me repent. Help me change. Help me not be like that. You see, there are some of those kinds of verses we'll very readily recognize. Hey, I need to repent. Have you ever read Matthew 28? And thought, oh, wow. Folks, not, Matthew 28 is not a, kind of one of the list of things we should be doing. It's, it's not an important thing. It's the thing. If that's not shaping my life, then I'm living in rebellion. I'm fighting the thing God has put me on this earth to do. The thing. Not a thing. Not an important thing. The thing. If I'm as a follower of Christ not doing the thing He put me here to do, would that not place me in a position of needing to repent? Hey God, I've, I've been ignorant of, I've been, I've been negligent with, I've just been entirely uninterested in the thing You've called me to be and do. I, I, I confess that as a sin. I ask, I ask Your help to change. We repent. And we move from repentance, I think, to to, I don't know what word, readiness? Readiness. I mean, how do you get ready? I mean, God, praying, hey, God, help me to see. Help me to hear the conversations. Help me to see what's going on around me at work, at school, on vacation, when I'm running errands. Help me to be sensitive. Folks, you've not, as a follower of Christ, you've not lived a week of your life that Jesus didn't bring into your path somebody he wanted you to begin building a relationship with, ministering to, serving in a way that would result in the opportunity to present the gospel. Not a single week. Now, if you're like me, I'm going to sit here and think, where was I last week? I was in my office. I didn't even see anybody last week. No, not me. Every single week. It's the biggest thing on God's heart. Do you realize there's not a moment where God's not working on this? There's not a moment where He's not moving and steering so this happens. And you and I can be so entirely obtuse. Not to something God wants the really good believers to do. No, we, we can be so obtuse to the thing we're here to do. We don't even see what's traveling in front of us every single day. So maybe I need to ready myself just by... God, would you sensitize my heart, my ears, my eyes to what's going on around me, to people, to what they're sharing with me, whether they be a stranger or an enemy or a close friend. Maybe, maybe I need to ready myself with some of my relationships. I mean, you've got relationships right now in your life that probably need to hear, you're going to die and go to hell if you don't receive Jesus. But I'm guessing if you said that in a lot of your relationships, that would be an awkward moment. If not the end of that relationship. And by the way, I'm not ever suggesting that that's how you say it. 
But I wonder if I've got some relationships in my life like that and calling them this afternoon and sharing the gospel would be awkward, then what am I doing to start building and shaping and working in that relationship in such a way that even if it makes me a bit nervous, I'm still in a place now where I could step out there and share that. I'm listening for and looking for the opportunity to share it when they express something going on in life. Hey, how about this for readiness? Do I know what to say? Do, do I even know? If somebody walked up to me and said, hey, could you, could you tell me how to be a friend with God? Do I know what to say? Now listen, if you've arrived here today and you don't know what to say, okay. But if you leave here today and don't change that, then what are you telling God? I mean, aren't you in that kind of moment? Wouldn't you, wouldn't I basically be saying, hey God, not only have I shown little to no interest to the thing with all your authority you have put me on this earth to do, not only have I, have I not really done anything about that, I have no intentions of doing anything about it. I'm not even going to prepare myself so that if it walked up and slapped me in the face, I could even respond. Now, folks, I would be, that's a pretty high level of rebellion, isn't it? I mean, aren't you at that point when Jesus has all the authority in the universe saying, I don't care. I, I, don't, I don't even plan on, on being able to respond to that authority. Hey, listen, here at the Heights, we highly value sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, sharing it from the pulpit or, or the small group lectern, but, but we value that sharing it one-on-one -on -one as we are going, right? As we're going to work, as we're going to school, as we're going to practice, as we're going to life. And because we value that, then we value teaching people how to share the gospel. And we really have tried to make it very simple. I mean, it's like two verses, two ideas, two, two thoughts there, two minutes. I think I made the two-minute part up. I don't know if it takes two minutes or not. But we've really, really tried to make it pretty simple. Is what we teach, will it, will it answer every question that can be asked? Will it win every debate? Nope. Nope, it won't. But you know what? It's enough to lead somebody to Christ. It's enough to begin a conversation where maybe you have to, hey, let me get back with you. And, and, and we start building onto the questions and things that need to be answered. But, but it's a place to start. It's a place where... People can come to Christ. Hey, listen, if you don't know how to share the gospel, could I encourage you to take a step to learn how to share the gospel? When we leave today, as you go out, these matter of fact, there's two tables out there, one over there, one over there. They both have balloons. I don't know why. I wasn't here. But they have balloons. And, and, and if you go out there to the balloon table on this side, there's a guy standing there named Jim, and he'd love to answer your questions about how long is the class, when is the class, what's involved with it. If you want to sign up, you can sign up for the class. Listen, if you arrived here today and don't know how to share the gospel, okay. But if you leave with a comfort and zero commitment to changing that status, what are you telling God? One more word, one more, one more word, we need, we need to get out of here, it's actually already the service should be over. So real quickly, teaching, teaching, you see that word teach? Jesus says, teach them all that I've, I've given you. When you hear the word teaching, what comes to your mind? Probably what I'm doing, right? Teaching, that, that's a person who's trained, who, who's got a whole bunch of information and they stand in front of five people, 20 people, 
hundreds of people and they, blah, they communicate that information, right? Well, yes, that, that's teaching. That, that's certainly part of what Christ has in mind when he says, teach them to observe. But you know another word for teach? Show, right? Show them. Show them how a believer responds to bad news. Show them how a believer responds to good news. Show them how a believer hurts. Show them how a believer celebrates. Show them what I've taught you. You, you know, Jesus was a pretty good lecturer. But I think one of the great lessons, one of the great commands he gives us, you go to John 13 and it kind of comes to the end of the lesson and he says, okay, here, here's the conclusion, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. Do you know how he taught that? Not with a lecture. You know what he did? He got down on his hands and his knees and he washed their feet. It wasn't a lecture. He showed them. This is what love does. Love serves another's needs with the very specific intent. Now, there's a lot of needs to serve and a lot of reasons you would serve those needs. But in our case, it is to encourage, it is to help that person take a new step, another step in Jesus Christ. To go a little further than they've been before. So when Jesus says to teach, he's saying, hey, hey, teach with word, teach, teach by modeling with example, teach by living life together. And again, a lot of we hear that word teach, I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a teacher, I'm not trained, I'm not that far down the road. Hey, good news, all you got to do is find somebody behind you. So I'm just, I'm not very smart in this stuff. That's okay, I promise there's somebody behind you dumber than you. Praise God, there's somebody dumber than you, Amen. And Jesus says, go find the dumber person and help them come on along. Isn't that good news? I mean, folks, really, honestly, I mean, mind just using the word dumber. <laughs> That's what Jesus is telling. Every, a lot of us probably don't consider ourselves way down the road in this whole following of Christ thing. So how could I teach? You don't have to be way down the road. You just got to be a day ahead of that guy. And then you show them. You show them. It's, it's, it's what's on each of our lives. Now, folks, in all of this, wh whether you're encouraging and helping somebody take a step forward in the Lord or whether you're trying to be a witness and help them begin that relationship in the Lord, there's going to be a lot of this we're going to do informally. And what I mean by informally, I I'm going to do it on my own as I'm going. I, I, I may do it with the title of the Heights Baptist over me or, or I may not. It just may be in my, 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 my coming and going, my living and relating with people in my life. But then there is a part in which I formally do this with the church. Because our culture doesn't just need to see individuals, they, they need to see the church. We, we're a representative of the church. I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, if somebody sees how good and wonderful I am, they don't have a whole lot at the end of the day, do they? But when they see the, the goodness of the church, of what God's given us in the church. So I've got to be thinking not just how do I do this on my own as I live life. But I've got to be thinking, hey, how am, I, how am I a witness with the church? How am I lovingly serving in the church and with the church as the church? How, how am I working with this whole family in here so that anybody who walks in here today can take another step forward in Christ? Now, you know, again, your tendency probably is to look up there and say, well, I, I see what you're doing, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know what I would do. Hey, man, you can park cars. You can take care of three-year-olds. You can usher. You can greet. I mean, how important to have somebody who says, hey, let me help you find the best seat in here, and is there anything else I can help you to do to know our family? 
Man, for somebody to hear that message. Because guess what? People walk in here and they are immature or they're new. And immature is not a derogatory term. There are things all of us are immature. It just means I haven't had a chance to grow. I haven't had a chance to develop. I haven't had a chance to learn. Well, that's our job, right? And if I come in here and I'm not real strong in my pursuit of Christ, my pursuit of Christ is kind of new, and I come in here and I'm horribly frustrated trying to get parked, and and nobody will watch my kid, and nobody will look at me, talk to me, well, guess what? There's a real good chance I'm going to leave here kind of frustrated. And then we as a family all helped that person's wheels come off. And and maybe they don't come back. Maybe, Maybe not only did we not help them take a step, but we helped them kind of choose not to take any more steps. How are you and I as a church, how are we as a family helping anybody who walks in here through loving service? I mean, the, the, the lesson Jesus gave, he was on his knees cleaning people's feet. I mean, there, there's a sense of humility. I, I, I want to help you whether anything comes back or not. Man, every, every position all over this church is an opportunity to lovingly serve. And we each play a role in that. Hey, listen, if you're, if you're a member of the Heights as a follower of Christ, I want to encourage you today, go to both tables. If you don't know how to share the gospel, if you don't know what you would say, if somebody walked up and asked you, how can I be a friend of God? Go to that table and find out what that's about and sign up. If, if you're looking for a, 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 a okay, I, I probably should get involved. I probably should connect. Hey, listen, go to that table over here with the balloons and say, where can I serve or can I serve here? I'm kind of interested in that. But, but before you do that, let me tell you something. I, I'm not just interested. Hey, I, we've got a lot of needs, and if you don't do it, God's mad at you. No, no. You know what? We, we've got a class. It's in your bulletin. It's called Place. It's, it's a, it meets one time. You, you just have to go one time. But, but in this class, we have some really incredible tools that help you look at your spiritual gifts and abilities, your physical gifts and abilities, your passions and interests, and kind of put all that in one pot, and out will pop the, the places that you would find the most enjoyable to serve in. The places that kind of really work inside of your skill set and, and inside of your passions. And you'll be, you'd be serving with people that have the, kind of that same set. And so there's almost an instant camaraderie. Man, we don't want you just doing something. We want you doing something where there's, there's really a chance for you to experience a sense of joy, fulfillment. A sense that I know the contribution I'm making to this family being obedient to the mission God has sent us on. Folks, Virginia needs you and I to really get serious about this. Now, I know you could sit there and say, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. Are you trying to say, Pastor, that if I go out there and sign up for some witnessing class and I go over here and I start ushering, that, that Charlottesville would have never happened? I mean, really, Pastor, is that the connection you're trying to make? Yeah, it's totally the connection I'm trying to make. This seem a little far-fetched. You know, folks, when you lead somebody to Christ down here when they're 19 or, or 27 or, or 52, when we lead them to Christ, then they begin a new journey in life, right? If they're not led to Christ, then, then they continue on in their hurt, in their disappointment, in their anger, in their frustration with people in this world. And some of them really show that in a way that well, makes the news, Right? 
You know, it's amazing how much evil is going on out there that never makes the news, but you felt it at school. You felt it at at work. Do, Do you know what stops that evil? The gospel. And when they receive the gospel, what helps them move from from being a force for evil to being a force for goodness is really learning and growing and continuing to take steps in Christ. And folks, that's the mission we're on. And it makes a difference. Listen, if we we all do this, will there never be a Charlottesville again? I'll be honest with you, folks. There's going to be a Charlottesville again. It's going to be very near. It's going to be very soon. No, I'm not saying you go to this class and all the evil stops. What I am saying is this. When Jesus gave this mission, he knows that out there is famine and poverty and abuse and hate and, and racism and greed and perversion. He knows all that's out there. And by the way, you remember what we studied this summer in the promises of God? He will bring justice. Justice will come. But until that day comes, he said, you and I are to be one thing. We're to be about one thing out there in the world where all that is going on. One thing. Are you on that mission? And even as I say all that, I know it's, ah, I, I, wouldn't, I'm, I, I wouldn't make a difference in that. I'm not, I'm not going to change that. That's, I, I don't, that's just not me. You know, I, I get that. That is very natural to think that way. But is it appropriate? You know, I, I remember one time my dad sent me up to my room to, to clean it. He, apparently he felt like it had fallen short of a certain standard. They go up there and clean your room. A couple hours later he comes up there and I'm playing a game and my room's not clean. And he said, well, I thought you were going to come clean your room. Why, why didn't you clean your room? And I said, you know, Dad, I'm glad you asked me that. And I recognize that, you, you know, it's your house. You've got the authority, the right to tell me to clean my room. But honestly, Dad, I was just kind of looking around at the whole state of our home. And I just don't think my room's going to make a big difference in that. I don't think it's going to change it one way or the other based on what I do with my room. And, and Dad, if I'm being really honest, I don't really enjoy cleaning. I don't, I don't think it's one of my gifts. That's not something I feel really confident doing so i would just prefer to opt opt out of all 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 of that now honestly i don't know about your dad i would have never had all that conversation i would have i'd have been whoo it would i don't think i'd have gotten like two sentences before that just really went in a place that i didn't want it to go but do you understand what i just said right because i see i really think that a lot of us are living in a mentality that one day we're going to stand before all the authority in the universe and re- and, and we're going to try to explain why we didn't do one thing why we didn't spend one day on mission and we're going to explain to god why we didn't think it would make any difference or why i wasn't very good at it folks honestly jesus didn't ask you to evaluate the difference you thought it would make And he didn't ask you to evaluate the contribution you thought you could make. With all the authority in the universe. He looks at every single one of us and he says, I say to you. And honestly, folks, there's not a day and there's not a relationship in your life that shouldn't be shaped by what he said to you and to me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and I, I ask for myself, I ask for every one of us in here that, that you give us a seriousness, an interest, a wisdom to kind of look and evaluate what, what parts of my life are being 
shaped by the mission? What, what parts, what relationships in my life are not being shaped by the mission? And God, would you just kind of guide us what readiness, what repentance, what loving looks like? And help us to take right and appropriate steps because you are worthy of being responded to. And our world's in desperate need of us responding. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.